Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John. We're going to be looking this morning at uh, chapter 4, verse 29. John chapter 4, verse 29. And as you find that, and it'll also be on the screens, uh, NIV will will ask God to continue to be with us because he's already here as we continue this worship experience. Lord, we thank you for the word of God and the opportunity we get to study together. Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak today, that you would give something that we can apply to our lives, help it to drop the however many inches from our head to our heart. And I ask that you'd open up our eyes so we can see, hear what's written in your law for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. John chapter 4. verse 29. It says this, and you can read it with me if you don't mind on the screen. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Turn to your neighbor and say, come see. That's the title of the message uh, this morning. Come see. If I were to mention Wakanda forever in this room. Okay. All right. Wakanda forever. And if I were to salute, I won't show it to you because I want to see how many would know the salute back. If I were to salute Wakanda, okay, yeah, Wakanda forever. Wakanda is a fictional East African country where the Black Panther, known as T'Challa, is the king of this Wakanda nation, okay? And before I ever went to see the movie, which came out in, I think, February of 2018, I knew all about it. All about the movie, because Facebook, they were salutes all over the place to Wakanda forever. So I never had to see it, but evangelists were all over the place telling me about Wakanda forever, even to the point where I'd find myself in conversations, and even before ever having seen the movie, I'd participate like I had, like, yeah, yeah, and when (laughs) such and such happened, picking up from the last conversation, I know you've never done that at the water cooler, but I knew something already about this movie. Finally, we said, let's get some babysitters and go see it for ourselves. And what do you know? We left the movie theater saying, oh, the word is true. (laughs) This movie's off the chain. You need to see it. And by the way, there's a sequel coming out, and I am an unapologetic uh, spokesperson for that. Maybe a church visit. No. Uh, (laughs) Oh, little church trip, field trip. Uh, Get the bus. That's how we used to roll. Wakanda forever. And I thought, man, how many of us already are really good evangelists? We've encountered something and impacted us in such a way nobody had to say, go tell. Richard Firo, where he's probably outside serving, when he came to our house maybe five or six years ago and he had two bags. He had one from one restaurant that was bringing what we thought was the meal. And then he had another bag. And I said, what are you doing, bro? He said, oh, the chicken comes from this spot. I said, oh, where's that? Goko. He said, just eat it. And I ate the chicken. He didn't have to say another word. And now you have had the pleasure, chicken and waffles this past Easter, of eating chicken from GoCo. If you want fried chicken in Charlottesville, there are plenty of good spots. Got to be careful. But GoCo is where I would go. Nobody had to tell me. I just had to taste and see (laughs) that it was good. And that encounter allowed me then to become the best evangelist. But I found as I'm sure you have, that that word in and of itself has become or can be slippery or problematic. And I would say in part that is due to how the church, Big C, has sort of postured itself with that word. And there are some things for which we can probably apologize for how we have embodied what we believe to be evangelism. 
And yet the essence of that word is to proclaim the good news, the gospel, to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Because when we're encountered by him, it establishes us as evangelists. Encounters with Jesus establish evangelists. And in this text, there's a woman who encountered Jesus Christ, and she went all the way back to her town to tell everybody about it. The story, of course, is here in the book of John, the gospel of John, that is so paradoxical in a sense that it's simply written. In fact, it's the one book I often tell new believers in Jesus Christ to start at because it's just easy to kind of access. And yet, on the flip side of that, theologians are trying to struggle to to sort of unpack its theological depth at the same time. So this paradoxical nature of John, it's written by the apostle John, son of uh, or son of brother of James, son of Zebedee. And there are, as Jesus would describe, these really simple everyday items that help to describe him and his life. Light, bread, vine, gate, shepherd. And these everyday items, though, are trying to unpack and explain to us the most profound and unfathomable mystery that God will become a human being and offer us the opportunity at eternal life. How do you explain that? And so captured in this book, in chapter 4, we see Jesus coming uh, back now uh, from Judea um, to Galilee, and he's deciding to go through Samaria, which was the most direct route, but we understand that most took a more securitous route for lots of reasons, one of which, if we were to go back to the Old Testament for some context, the Jews and Samaritans just never really got along. Right? When the Jews came back from Babylon and Samaritans said, hey, can we help you rebuild the temple? And they didn't feel like the Samaritans were being honest and true in their intentions. So they said no, and it brought about some schism there. And then there were other things like Nehemiah, for example, when rebuilding the wall, the Samaritans were trying to thwart that effort. So there's some tension. So though the most direct route, it's not typically what was done when going from Judea to, to Galilee. And Jesus, leaving Judea because the Pharisees were losing their minds, and he said, it's not my time to have to deal with all this nonsense, decided he would go through Samaria on the way to Galilee. And, and at that point, stopped at this city called Sakar. It was about noon, so he was at, by himself at this time, which wasn't uncommon because the disciples went to get something to eat because around noon is when the Jewish often ate. So he's there by himself when enters this woman, this Samaritan woman who comes to draw a drink from this well. Jesus says, can you give me a drink? So here he is, this Jewish man talking to the Samaritan woman at all, and then saying, can I get a drink? Can you get me a drink? So you can imagine what she would say, and you can read it for yourselves. Bro, what are you even talking to me for? That's kind of her response. You're asking me for a drink. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Why are you even having this conversation? He said, if you knew the gift before you, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for a drink and I'd give you living water. I chuckle whenever I read that and I said I would pass over this parenthetical to kind of stay on track, but I can't help it. This is... Only Jesus can do that. Like this whole, do you know who I am bit, fellas particularly, but anybody who tries that line, it doesn't always work well <laughs> at all. 
I was at a high school working uh, years ago, and, and we had, you know, a lot of folks who felt they were high-powered and in and, and high positions in government whose kids went to our school. And, and my 4'11 Jewish colleague, who was a little older uh, and seasoned in her years, uh, encountered a man that we all heard from our office say this to her because she said no to something. Do you know who I am? About two, maybe three minutes later, he was walking out. <laughs> because she essentially laughed him out of the room. So it's not generally a good idea. We'll leave that to Jesus <laughs> to say she is you. Yeah, he was gone. But Jesus says, essentially, do you know who I am? If you did, you'd be asking me and I'd have given you a drink of living water. Her response, not yet realizing quite who he was, is particularly what we'd expect. Kind of like my colleague treated that gentleman with respect, but also the door. Uh, she says, um, but you don't even have anything to draw with. You ain't got nothing. You ain't got no job, Tommy, right? You, you don't have anything <laughs> to draw with. Martin Lawrence, one of my favorite sitcoms ever. Like inspiration right here. You've got nothing to draw with, and yet you're asking me to get you a drink. And she says, who do you think you are? Are you greater than our father, Jacob? Right, because they're at this well that she goes on to say it was built by him and he actually drank from it. Who do you think you are? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks from this well is going to get thirsty again. I want to give you something that won't ever have you thirst again. She's starting, you can tell, kind of come to her senses if you start reading about it. She's thinking about it and she's realizing, like many of us do, that there's some satisfaction in life that we're not getting. I mean, you know, we've tried over and over again to be fulfilled, to be, to be uh, soothed by, to be captured by, to hang our hat on in life, something, and it's not working. She's saying in this moment, okay, I know I'm not really satisfied. So, like, if I really want this meaning and purpose in life, I would kind of like get some of this water. How do I do that? How do I get some of this water so that I don't have to come back to this? Jesus said, go, find your husband. She said, I'm not married. He says, you're absolutely right. You're not, and you've had five husbands, and even the one you have isn't your own. <gasps> okay, so um, you must be like a prophet <laughs> or something. How many of you have ever had an experience like that with God in the moment where things are just kind of happening normally? I know for me, and there are many times, and I hope there will be many more, but as it relates to Victory Church, it was late 2014, Kate, when I wrote in my journal, God, I think you're asking me to plan a church. I don't even keep a journal, but I knew something was going on. I wrote in this journal, and maybe a few days or so later, a friend of, of ours was over the house, and we kind of communicate sarcastically and humorously with each other, and so we're doing that. And in the middle of the conversation, she said, yeah, and Paul, you should start a church. And it was like, the record stopped. <laughs> that wasn't a part of the conversation. God, how did, what, how did you, that was kind of the moment here. Like, wait, what, you are telling me all about who are you a prophet? I know that you're a prophet, but the Messiah, he's going to come and explain all of this to us, right? Jesus says, I am that person. I am he. Around that point, the disciples come back with a look on their faces, but they don't say anything but the look of, why are you talking to this woman? And at this point, she gets up, leaves the jar of water where it was, and went back to her town to say to them, come, see left everything that was of high priority. It was probably hot, 12 noon. Most people did it at night. Left what she prioritized previously because of an encounter with him. Held with an open hand, if you will, the job, the bank account, whatever it might look like for us, and ran and said, come, 
see the one who told me everything about me. Encounters with Jesus established evangelists. She now had this story to tell. Naturally, she wanted others to meet the source of that story. She said, could this be the Messiah I need for y'all to come and see because I have been looking for love in all the wrong places. And now that I've encountered him, I recognize some of the love I thought I was getting is actually subpar for me. Come and see how when I had an amazing tragedy in my life, the comfort that came alongside me is what we get to say. Come and see how God provided surgeons whose incisions were perfect such that he healed me through their hands. Come and see how he healed me without the operation because God can choose how he wants to do that. Come and see the man who gave me an identity that didn't find itself in a bank account, fame or status, athletics or whatever. Come and see the one who now my identity rests in. Come and see is what this Samaritan woman went back to tell her folks. Rahab had a story, prostitute, told that story and God used her. Moses had a story, though he stuttered and thought he couldn't have one and brought people to Jesus. Esther also had a story. What is your story? It's the question of this month. And how might you, in encountering Jesus Christ, if you already have, go and say, come and see? Because guess what? The folks back in her town, they weren't sitting here in the church. They weren't already in your victory group. She had to go back to where they were and said, hey, I know you're busy. Like Jesus did with the disciples, drop your nets, come follow me. She said, come, you need to come, come and see. What's your story and how might we be communicating that story such that others who need him can access him in a way that maybe right now isn't a need for them. Come see, I understand very much the containers that are occupied by churches in terms of style of music, as I was referencing before, and liturgy and all of that, that might make for you a fit or not a fit. I get it. And yet, I pray the overwhelming reason for which somebody would walk in these doors is because Jesus lives here. Come and see the pastor. No, I'd like to meet him. That'd be cool. But I guarantee you at some point they'll be disappointed when they realize I go to GoCo for fried chicken. They'll be disappointed if they come to see me or Pastor Brett or whomever else might come in here and preach. They might come see my victory group leaders. Yes, victory group leaders are phenomenal and they'll be disappointed. Overwhelmingly, I pray when anybody says, come and see, you're saying, come and see Jesus. Jesus lives there. Jesus is living over at Walker Upper Elementary these days. That's who we come to see. But you know what? Everybody's not here to hear the wonderful transition and announcement. How do we say if with our lives, whether it's victory, doesn't matter what church, how do we say come and see Jesus? Verse 39, if we were to go on a little bit, it says many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. There are people that your story can reach that I never will. something down on the inside of you, something that God birthed in you long ago, experiences he allowed you to go through, and yet you found God in it, and now he's saying go. Single, married, student, professional, retired, whatever it is, 
Victory groups here at Victory, we are, I mean, that's the heartbeat of who we are, and yet that's a place simply where we say, come see. Yes, there's an inward-facing component to it, and that as a church family, we're wanting to connect and grow, but it's also outward-facing. My next-door neighbor, I don't think they know anything about Jesus. In fact, they might hate him. Come see. Eat some go-go. Let's talk about Jesus. Our co-worker, our teammates, come and see Jesus in me, in this group. After they came and see, they said to the woman in verse 42, which is the good news, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves. And if there's anything about how we're posturing ourselves here, it's, it's not about reproducing culture as much as it is reproducing conviction. And that comes from Jesus. Everything we do and say here is pointing you, me, us, our community to him. And no doubt their encounter with Jesus, I believe, created evangelists out of them. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word of God this morning. That, I pray, convicts our heart even this morning. I pray for those who have already encountered you in one way, in 10, and 20 ways over the course of our lives. That those encounters would establish us as evangelists. That there wouldn't need to be a primer or a prepping or a, 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 a motivational speech. But just the fact that you came and dragged us literally out of the pit of depression. That you came and dragged us out of, of harm's way. That you came and protected us when we couldn't protect ourselves. That you came alongside when we thought the marriage would fail and you brought healing and reconciliation. That you came to our lives and encountered us in such a way that we said, oh, 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 you must be <laughs> Jesus. That out of that encounter, there would be a come see in our spirit and that we would recognize that we have a voice. That there was nothing condemning about this engagement with this woman. There was everything that said, I know what you've been through and yes, you can still be used by me. There's no expiration date on the call on our lives. And the story, in fact, is a part of how you work all things together for good. Maybe we go back to that community if you've called us there. Or we go back to that space that maybe at one point identified us. And we say, God, I found God. Come see. Help us, Lord, those who have encountered you to engage and come see. And if we haven't encountered Jesus Christ at all, Lord, I pray for a fresh encounter today. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here and you have yet to accept Jesus Christ into your heart. This moment is an opportunity for you to do just that. If you want to accept Jesus today, raise your hand really, really high so we can pray with and for you. Those live streaming, if there's anybody there who's saying, yes, I want to accept Jesus for the first time in my life. You can pray these words. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for calling me as your own. I pray, Lord, that my life would be one full of encounters with you. I choose today to turn away from everything that the Bible calls sin and to follow you with all of my heart. Today, I choose you. I choose to stop trusting in me and trusting you. I choose to turn from sin. I choose to live life in community. I choose to read and obey your Bible. And I choose to tell others about this new decision that I've made. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh,